Hi, I'm Claudio Poses, artist for Dungeons and Dragons and The Witcher RPG, and you're listening to Morrow's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This week, Morris and Peter are joined by Steven Glicker from Roll for Combat and Mark Seifter from Paizo to talk about the Battle Zoo Bestiary, featuring the winning entries from the RPG Superstar Contest coming to Kickstarter on August 31st. In the news, Ringgate Games announces the Essence 20 system to power their Hasbro licensed RPGs, updates on the Dungeons and Dragons film and the Magic of the Gathering TV series, new products coming soon for Pathfinder, and more! Plus, our favorite game in all the world and a brand new sketch about the most flexible game ever kickstarted. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. An ad for something I actually like. That's a turnout for the books. Burbaker Unlimited Moat Builders will provide your keep, castle, or hovel with a secure defensive system. Choose from their wide range of moat fillers, including lava, piranha schools, sharks, acid, zombies, boiling tar, or water. How mundane. Anyway, buy one moat, get a free drawbridge while stocks last. I think I'll get one myself. Maybe it'll stop those horrible kids throwing eggs at my laboratory. All the tabletop role-play news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey and the Southampton Guild role players. Russ, has ever, it is a total pleasure to be here. It's getting a bit crowded in here, Peter. It is. I, I, I you know, here, here I am trying to enjoy my space on the sofa, and I, I've been crowded on both sides. I know. I mean, Who are these not people? one. What? But what? Two, two guests. Two guests. Oh, I feel so popular. It's unheard of. <laughs> it's the most people I've seen in ages. Hello. Oh, yes. Certainly for the last 18 <laughs> months or so, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we have got Stephen yes. Glicker and Mark Seifter, who are going to be talking to us all about the Battle Zoo uh, bestiary and a bunch of other associated projects, which are, which are, I think the your Kickstarter launches, what, next week, is it? Uh, August 31st. Yes, yeah, so very, yeah, very soon. Very soon. And this, this, this all came as a result of uh, when we had you on before, Stephen, which was, what, a year ago, I want to say? Yeah, about a year and a half ago with Owen with the RPG Superstar. Yeah, so that yeah. was before, and this is the after. Yeah. Right. Uh. Well, I am super excited to talk about that. But before yes. we do that, let's dive in to some RPG news. Oh, we've got lots of RPG news to talk about this week. <laughs> we've got some RPG news. Hey. Should, we do, should we do a quick Avatar watch? Just make a guess <laughs> if you haven't checked. What, what's Avatar up to now? Oh, this... I haven't seen it for a couple of days, so I'm going to say I haven't million. looked at it yet today. Let's have a look. Avatar yeah. Legends. This is awesome. This is so amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, the new role-playing game. Mm. Yeah. Six days left. So yeah, yeah. seven point, just coming up on $7.3 million. Six days to go. That's nearly sixty thousand backers. That's fantastic. Like, like no, no, wow. no pressure, lads. But <laughs> expectations now being set. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. Uh, secret is I'm gonna rename Battle Zoo Bestiary to Avatar Part Two. So there you go. Uh, Avatar, uh, Avatar Beastry. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that, 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 people, I'm sure people we'll love that that content. 
though. Like, even even in Pathfinder, what? everyone was really excited to play the Kineticist, which was the elemental character. Oh. And guess what? Mm. A lot of them wanted to play them like they were benders, right? And so, right, right. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering if they can hit the ten. Six days to go. Seven point three. I'd love it if they hit ten million. Well, I mean, I the know. beginning and the end are the places where you really can That's see a bump. Yeah. So if if they do, it's going to probably be right right towards the end. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, I think that I think ha- they might do it. Have they slowed in a noticeable fashion? There's no you going on here. They're oh, there is. Like, there is. Oh, I mean, there is. There is. Okay, there's good. no avoiding that on a Kickstarter. Yeah. It's always there, the U shape. But this has been less pronounced, I think, yeah. than than usual. The interest has been sort of. It hasn't dipped as low as most Kickstarters oh, do. Yeah. They're yeah. still making two to three hundred thousand a day, which is astonishing. Yes, I'm certainly seeing their ads in a lot of places. Although how much of that is due to like random cookies tracking me over the internet and the dark <laughs> arts of marketing, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, oh, I, I think it's just awesome. I just, I just want it. I just want them to do ten thousand. I really do. I don't know why I want them to do ten thousand. It's like I'm a really, really arbitrary number in my head that I want them to hit. But it's a nice hey, round number. Yeah. People like round numbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'll be it. That'll yeah. be it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Talking about round numbers, number <laughs> oh, yeah, one is quite a round number as well. Not really. The first sure. ever issue. This is an amazing, an amazing segue there. The first <laughs> ever issue of Dragon Magazine. Oh, yes. You can buy. It is yes. on eBay mm-hmm. currently uh, by Jason Elliott, mm-hmm. who uh, who runs. I want to say TSR two, but that's kind of unfair to him now because of the shenanigans of TSR 3. But um, he re- they renamed themselves, how was it? Solarian Press. Solarian, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're, yeah. they're producing a top secret game. But anyway, from yeah. his personal collection, he is selling oh. the first issue of Dragon Magazine on right. eBay. I see. It's only got just under two days left. So by the time this goes oh. out, it's going to be literally in the last hours. Yes. And it's uh, uh, just over uh, 1,000 US dollars. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I'd be, t- I mean, that is a bit too rich for my blood, but I would be tempted. I'd love a copy of that, but oh, I don't wow. think I'd spend a thousand dollars. I actually have a copy of almost every single Dragon magazine still in my attic. Like have you got every- number one? I don't think I have number one, but I started like in the teens. Yeah. So yeah. No, I, I have a lot. I have a I lot, don't. and they're just sitting there collecting yeah. dust. See, I would, I would never be able to bring myself to sell those things. I know. I, know. I, I am. Know. A, they... I, I am a hoarder at heart. I guess. Yeah. I just, you know, if it's a book or a ma- or something like that, it's not. It's never leaving my possession. Yeah, they're just sitting there collecting dust. I haven't seen them <laughs> in ten years, but I, I, it makes me feel better knowing that they're in my house. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and possibly worth money. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> they're probably like they're probably moth eaten by now. So possibly. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Moldy magazines. My favorite. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. this, this, this is interesting. So do you remember, it was either earlier this year or last year when Renegade Game Studios announced that they were going to be making RPGs for a bunch of Hasbro licensed properties? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Like G.I. Joe. Pa- Power Rangers, mm-hmm. yeah, G.I. Yeah. Joe, Transform, yeah. I think, you know, Transformers. There was a couple yeah. more as well. I can't remember what they were exactly, but there was a couple more as well. But they were the three big ones. I yeah, think. I don't think they were going to do He Man because that's got its own RPG. No, that was that was someone yeah. else. But mm-hmm. um, um, so they have um announced the system that they're going to be using for this. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of just assumed, because it's Hasbro, it was going to be... A D20 conversion. Yeah, D&D 5e. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be powered by by that system, because it makes yeah. sense. Same company. Why wouldn't you? I, I, I mean, yes, but... Also, no. But, okay, yeah, let's go with, yeah, so D&D 5e. <laughs> but it's not D&D 5e. It's not. It's not. It's not. Then tell us, Russ, what is it? It's called the Essence 20 system. Okay. Um, they haven't well, said they? that much about it yet, but... Sounds like it's going to involve a 20-sided dice. It is, it is, um, it is D20 based, apparently. So here we go. Hmm. So, um, uh, Elisa Teague from Renegade, um, mm-hmm. did an interview with Forbes about it and said the yeah. Essence 20 role playing system is a D20 based system mm-hmm. that uses what I call a fashion plate system for character design, drawing from three aspects. What type of person mm-hmm. are they? What is their function as part of the team? Mm-hmm. And what experiences have they had in their prior life before coming a hero i see mm. so like sort of a top trousers and shoes sort of a sort of it's like mm. three elements like origin role and influence they're calling them right these three these three aspects to your character yeah that's sort of um that has parallels to to other systems right like Pathfinder's mm. ancestry background in class or um if you're looking yeah. at the cipher yeah. system you have the Adjective, noun, that verbs. Mm. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure exactly how it's implemented in this. I mean, Ooh. they say they use different dice for different skill levels. Hmm. Like Savage Worlds. Possibly. Yeah. Like mm. Savage Worlds. I don't know. I don't know what well, to read into although that. Although if it's, a, if it's yeah. a D20 system, that's interesting, though. Most of the yeah. ones that use mm. different dice for different skill levels are not D20 mm. systems. So what, I, what, what I'm getting from this, I think, is so basically you roll a D20... Yeah. And then you add another die, oh, okay. depending on oh. how skilled you are at that particular thing. So, so oh. you're rolling two, two dice. So it's I not think. really okay. that extreme, the amount that your skill is actually going to add to it, compared to the systems where you are yeah. going to wind up with rolling, like, exactly the die that, that you are good at. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's some, yeah. like, um, what's the, what's the name of the one behind the leverage system where you roll, um, the D12, the, you roll one of the dice, and then if it's a one, there's mm-hmm. a complication, and you take right, the highest right. result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that system. But then again, if you're rolling yeah. 2D20 in this and adding them together, that's quite swingy, isn't it? Depends on how high the, how high the dice go, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. No, I'm- Interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've got a Renegade have got a oh, it's Cortex. convention. That's the name of the system. Cortex, of course yeah. it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. So the Renegade Con this weekend is going to reveal more information about all this stuff. So next week, I guess, we'll have more more to talk about it. But they did mention basically <laughs> a little bit about the Power Rangers game. Yes. Um. So in the Power Rangers game, characters don't die. Mm-hmm. So they can be defeated and they can be taken out yes. of combat, but they won't die. Like yeah. the threats you face aren't lethal. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know the Power Rangers universe, but people listening might. So this the core book covers the period of the show when Zordon was the Power Rangers mentor. I don't know if that means anything. He to was you the or... initial mentor. Mm-hmm. I definitely right. watched the original show when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's the time period it covers, and the main okay. villains are Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those right. were like the Rita was the first villain, and Lord Zed came in during the original. Right. So yeah. it's it's very classic Power Rangers era. That sounds yeah. like I, I never really watched the show, but I gotta say that Rita Repulsa, she had a hell of a cackle. 
That's true. I believe you. And, 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 like, and her hat. It was just full on. That was a strong hat. It was. Strong it was hat. a very strong yeah. hat. I, I mean, like I say, I know who this is. I haven't really watched the show. Yep. So, yeah, that's a, that's some good going there. Let's move on. Let's, let's talk about the D&D film. Oh, we've got mm. more news about that. Exciting. A little, not, not a lot of news, but basically the, um, the filming of that is finished now. Wow. Okay. So the, yeah, the film's a wrap. Um, they've, uh, presumably got special effects and tons of editing and all that stuff yeah. to do, but, um, the, the principal, the principal filming is a wrap. Nice. It's done. Yes. And apparently Chris Pine got paid 11.5 million for it. Nice. I am told. Yeah, not well played. Well played. So nice, nice payday. I wouldn't say yeah. no to that. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody or, wants to cast me in Dungeons and Dragons two in the lead, lead character, <laughs> I'm a, my schedule is free. <laughs> Admittedly, I cannot act. Uh, I'm not sure you've got maybe quite the same name brand recognition as um, the what stars of Wonder Woman and of course Star Trek. Yes, so. yeah, one of the many Chrises of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps we've changed name to Cross or something. Yeah. It, like, it could be Chrises and Cross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with the anime and manga series Lupin? Lupin. Lupin. Yeah, the, uh, it's a, French. about the um, public domain master thief uh, Lupin, but oh. except for like his descendant or something so that it's not the original yeah. uh, not the original Arsenio Lupin. Yeah. Ooh. So we had Magnetic Press on the show last week and they were talking yes. about their new game powered by the D6 system from West End Games. Yes. And that was Carbon Grey. Yes. And they uh, Dieselpunk. Yeah. yeah. This is from the same company. Oh. This is from Magnetic Press as well. So right. I assume it's going to be powered by the same D6 system. I guess. Well, you like saw what you guess. saw where your assumption got you before with the Power Rangers. Well, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> but, right. but, but without any other information, I'm going to go with that for, mm-hmm. for a, yeah for a, for. A, is that there's a Netflix TV show? There yeah. is, is that the same thing? Uh, it's yeah. not. Um, if this is based on the anime property, then it's not in the Netflix mm-hmm. TV show is, mm-hmm. um, based on a different fellow who was inspired by the stories of right. Arsenio Lupin and, uh, and adopted the name Lupin. Um, so it, it wouldn't be the same property, but they're based on the same public domain, just like all the millions right. of Sherlock Holmes based things that you can find. Right. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, oh, thank you. You're, you're a mind of pop culture information. Yeah. This is I'm really like, glad this you is came like, on this week because yeah, yeah. this is this is all oh, stuff right. I know nothing about. This is like the, the only gaps. time <laughs> pop culture is like my my weak point in in like pop <laughs> trivia, which unfortunately is like ninety percent of pop trivia. So I'm not good at it. But um, I used yeah. to do but, like. But- now is your time to shine. You used to do trivia in college, and pop culture was only a small mm. percentage there, so it was easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's have a look, see if I can find some more news. I think it's actually quite okay. quiet news week this week, actually. I think, uh, Mark, you offered to tell us all about uh, Paizo's upcoming releases. What's next yeah, on sure the plate from Paizo? Well, um, we've got Secrets of Magic, which originally would have been Ooh. out by the time this podcast airs, but thanks to the global mm-hmm. shipping crisis, it is coming out soon. So that is mm-hmm. a um, really cool book that... 
mm-hmm. we worked on for Pathfinder Second Edition. It's kind of the mm-hmm. big magic book, but we wanted to make it more than just uh, a book that just has a bunch of spells and magic items, which it absolutely has. Mm-hmm. And the mega, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. the magus and the summoner class, summoner, summoner, which I wrote, Ooh. which it, it also has, but. To make it a book that really, like, gets you the feel of magic, and it's one of those kind of magic books that you kind of, you keep on your shelf, and you maybe even reference when you're playing a different game that isn't Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And to do that, we we have a section at the beginning that is, like, the magic treatises that are in-world, written by in-world authors, and just, like, discussing... Mm. The philosophy of like how ma- how the different kinds of magic work, and we have a book of unlimited magic with a lot of like weird types of things like true naming and ley lines and stuff. So mm. that's Ooh. coming out real soon, and then short on its heels, even though they're usually supposed to be spaced out by like three or four months, is Guns and Gears, <laughs> yeah. which is totally uh, in the different direction, steampunk style. Yeah, um, got got the inventor class and the gunslinger class and does really a lot of work to make them feel like they belong in a fantasy Mm. game and are not just Mm. like outliers for uh that's Mm. one thing i I really appreciated in the process of talking to playtesters on it is that uh, the people who were saying you know before i didn't think i would want an inventor or a gunslinger in my game but i read Mm. these and i'm Mm. like yeah you know this this is made for a fantasy world it's not just yeah yeah. it's not just something that you threw in yeah yeah Mm. Yeah. So okay, how it? often do you guys play test? Do you play test every book like with these big public play testers, or is it mainly just classes that you? Play so test? we play test books that have classes. So for example, yeah. Book of the Dead, yeah. the book that's coming after that, that um, is uh, in a while that doesn't have one. But mm. here's yeah. this one is kind of a scoop, I guess, from from Monday's blog, um, which is. There was an announcement that two new classes, which have not been. Um, indicate what they are and will only be revealed Ooh. at Gen Con are about to be playtested like the day after Ooh. Gen Con ends. So that nice. so just like you said, uh, anytime there's a class, we're going to playtest those because the reason we do it is playtesting is, is like it takes a lot of time. You have to be very careful about the methodology on, on the surveys and mm. you have to be sure to be able to engage with the community for a certain amount. But um, when it comes to uh, classes, classes are very <laughs> special because they become tied to a person's identity. Uh, the, mm. Someone who identifies very strongly with their character also identifies very strongly with their class. And you have to get it exactly mm. right because right. Yeah. you can have a feat somewhere that is like, okay, this is too powerful or this is too weak. And it's not probably not going to do too much. But if you have a class... And it doesn't feel right, even if it if it like mm. is hitting all the right benchmarks when you created mm. it. That is going to be a big problem, and it's going to strongly affect people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and of course, the other thing is what feels right to one person might not necessarily feel right to someone else, which makes it yes. even harder. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. always great when we're like, oh, this is going to be a contentious one. Like sorcerers in Pathfinder Second Edition. Like I had an idea during the playtest. Let's make them use whatever type of magic of the thing that's in their blood. And I figured, hmm. first I told that to the rest of the design team at Paizo, and I was like, you know what, they're probably not going to buy this, because, you know, sorcerers have always been the arcane, like, kind of um, mm-hmm. 
correspondent to the wizard. Then they're like, no, that's cool. Let's take it to the rest of the company. I was like, you know, there's some traditionalists at the company, though, that have been in this business for a long time. I don't know if they're going to, you know, the design team is always kind of more on the edge of innovating and wanting to change things. So I was like, no, they're Mm. not going to buy it. And then they were all like, that's awesome. We're going to do it. So then I thought, oh, but the fans, the fans, though, um, they might want to, they might want to hold on. Fans. (laughs) All these hurdles you keep putting in front of us. Yeah, I know. They're currently, (laughs) currently fans of Pathfinder, uh, first edition at the time it was revealed and that that's what they're Mm -hmm. used to. And no, the 93% or something like that of the fans, uh, when surveyed were like, yes. Mm. Yes, make it yeah. so the angel yeah. sorcerer uses divine magic, and yeah. so we did. Uh, so it's always great yeah. when the fans have the same opinion. But you're right, like with yeah. with uh, unsurprisingly with paladins slash champions, that was one where it was mm. more split. There was still mm. a clear consensus, but there was a significant number of people who did not want uh, the same thing, and it was yeah. very vicious between themselves on on the during the playtest. Mm. Mm. So yeah. that, when you get something that's very polarizing, though, say half half the people love it and half the people hate it, how do you approach that? Because well, do you just assume, it's tricky. Except that half the people are gonna because if you take a middle road, you're gonna possibly everybody will yeah, hate no, it. Both. Yeah. So <laughs> we we the ch- champions were very 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 polarizing, but mm. there was still a clear mandate towards the direction of letting them have more alignment. Because that yeah. was what it was, right? It was lawful good only, or can they have more alignments? It was yeah, like seventy yeah. percent oh. that wanted more alignments, so it was pretty yeah. clear. But that thirty percent was solid, loud, yeah. and they were solidly together with each other. You sometimes mm-hmm. have things that are more muddled, and that generally tells you that maybe you're not asking the right question, or that you have to do something else. Like for example, mm-hmm. res- resonance in the Pathfinder playtest was um something that was not received very well it was kind of one of the more out there things that we put in just to see what was going to go on we made a second take on it and we had that play tested part way through and then we had a question with a lot of possible options what we found mm. was that that and we eventually removed resonance at the end that's like the mm. the, the start mm. uh or the the answer but People actually didn't vote for removing resonance as their answer, but they also, like you said, Russ, they voted kind of very evenly. There was no mandate for anything. Nobody yeah, clearly yeah. liked any particular thing. And we gave them the option to vote to remove it, and that wasn't that high. But in the end, we're like, we have to remove it because we don't have, like, it was split so, it wasn't no, even 50-50. It was like 20-20-20 oh. or yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it was like, nobody likes anything quite enough. And that just probably means we didn't find the right one in any of the options we gave to them. It's too late to try something else, so we're gonna yeah. have to do it without. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess it's like trying to like line it up. Like there's a bunch of dots hanging in space, and you try and line them up, and when it's a good thing, all your dots are lined up, and that's a really strong sort of thing. Yeah, like on a graph. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I just try to find that line best fit. Mm. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I use, like, all that kind of math a, a lot. Um, just I have an, an engineering background. So I'm the one who tries to, to figure out, like, the math. Or I did, like, a, you know, I, I did scientific studies a little bit before uh, working at Paizo. So I was the one who, like, made sure our surveys were using... Um, better survey science and that the questions were likely to get us a good range of answers with like a scale instead of being like is this thing very good good neutral bad or very bad you do like extremely x uh, like 
extremely interesting, very interesting, somewhat interesting, not so interesting, not at all interesting. That actually encourages mm. people to use all five categories. And even if they're very, very big fans or very, very big angry at, at something when they're going into it, that they're more likely to um, mod- modulate their answers between questions and give you a mix that you can actually mm. use, read, and learn from them. And then there's if you did yeah. the one I said before with like very good, good, neutral, bad, very bad, they might do very good for everything and very bad for everything depending yeah, on so, what yeah, they, they feel. Yeah, they think of it as a binary thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It gets them in black or white. You got it, Russ. That's why. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. 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 Um, and you said you did the seminar class as well. Uh, yeah, that's one of mine. Uh, I gotta say, for Pathfinder Second Edition, that's gonna be quite a tricky one to get the balance right in terms of action economy. It was, a, it was very challenging, but it was worth it mm. because uh, my very first character in Pathfinder, just as a fan, uh, was a playtest summoner for the Advanced Players Guide in Pathfinder First Edition. So um, mm. I, I felt like it was very. Very, very surreal and, and interesting to be like writing the summoner class, and I made a playtest summoner for second edition that had parallels yeah. to that. Hmm. So, what is what else is coming up from Paizo in the near future? Then, that's what's, what's been announced. Or what, can you tell us anything that that is a secret? We won't tell anyone. So, we, we I can't. I can't tell you any. <laughs> we'll keep it just between the four of us. Nobody, nobody. I can't will. tell you any secrets because this is an appearance no. uh, with Stephen that is in my role as a. Um, a freelancer for Battle Zoo Bestiary and is not an official Paizo appearance as the design manager for, for Paizo. So that means in with this hat that I'm wearing today, um, you, it's you a very nice hat though. I've got oh, to well, say, thank, I, thank I've been you. admiring your hat. It's not as good as Rita Repulsa's, but, um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't have the capacity to give you spoilers because that would have to be approved by marketing during an official marketing appearance. But I gave you the books that like, my team, which is the design team at Paizo is putting out, but mm. there's so much more. There's the Lost Omens Grand Bazaar is coming out from the Lost yeah, Omens yeah. team, and there's um, Strength of Thousands, the uh, Magambia Magic School Adventure Path that's... Um, mm, that, th- that has that been very popular yeah, online, yeah. especially Anchor Root, one of the Knoll characters who is a, um, known for like going up in front of the class and trying to give a lecture and like panicking when people look upset and being like i'm so sorry and then running out of the room crying or things like that that led to like yeah that led to memes online of like will protect or like all of those other kind of memes and uh, um now that knoll is like one of the things on the top of one of the subreddits so (laughs) that's coming out and starfinders got a lot of great uh books that are coming out soon too and so there's just there's just a paizo's always doing a ton of things (laughs) That is very true. We noticed. <laughs> <laughs> like, the convention is like, well, what's I supposed to do now? Well, there's a list of 20 things. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on with the news then quickly, shall we? Yeah. So this today, so I fear that by the time this goes out, it's going to be too late. Uh, today is the last day you can vote in the Ennies. Right. So... I guess the four of us, if we haven't voted yet, can go and do it. Anyone else who hears this, it's too late, I'm afraid, if you haven't yet. But, um, yeah, yeah. So they'll be announcing the winners at a Gen Con. But, uh, yeah. So I've gone and voted for my, for the, uh, alien RPG stuff because I love that stuff. I've been, I've been feeling pretty cheerful about that. I saw uh, James Intercrasso was recommending his dad's best so I went and had a look. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's on there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah. Ah. 
Yeah. And other than that, um, I just wanted to quickly mention the Level Up pre-launch page for uh. Kickstarter for a Level Up Advanced Pit Edition is now Ooh. there and you can click on there and get notified because the Kickstarter launches on October the 5th, so it's still a few weeks away, but you can click on there and get notified as soon as that launches. And that I is going to recommend people to that because it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, it's doing really, it's doing really well, actually. The uh, pre-launch page yeah. so far has, let's have a look, probably a quick look, uh, 2,450 followers already. Wow. And they la- only launched yesterday or the day before. Crikey. So, well, every time that number, every time I hear that number, it gets like rather substantially larger. <laughs> well, you're in the first few days. So. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm actually daring to feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. Daring Ooh. to daring to be hopeful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. That's... but it's a while. It's a while off yet, okay. and mm. as we as we get nearer to that day, we're going to be having some guests related to that come on and talk all about it. So I won't bore everyone about it today, but oh, there is oh. a lot coming. Well, I mean, I don't know if we've really got anything else to say about it. <laughs> no, I, I just, we have, wow, there's stuff that I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, these are things, these are exciting things, so yeah. exciting things. Sorry. So is there any other news that anyone else can think of that I may have missed? Otherwise, we'll move on. The only big one I saw was, <laughs> didn't they announce that Lord of the Rings is coming to Magic the Gathering oh, in 2023? Oh, yeah, I did see that, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Warhammer 40k, they're doing a whole bunch of yeah, things. There was, there was, yeah, there was there was a bunch of different Fighter, licenses. Yeah, Fortnite, they they just uh, gave up on Magic. They're like, you know what? Let's go the Monopoly route, and we're just gonna have Magic for every property. <laughs> you name yeah. it, we're gonna have Magic the Gathering. Why not? Why not? Well, we were discussing um, last week with Mike about how the Magic fans who've been following the storyline, such as it was, were like Mike could see their point of view. Obviously, he's a big fan of the Faerun stuff, um, but like the having a random property dropped in was not conducive to their happiness. It was, it was polarizing. Yeah, I think. Was yeah, the, uh, just for it. Some people yeah. loved it and some people hated yeah. it. I mean, I well, don't uh, play the, Magic, so I don't have an I opinion. I mean, I've been but, playing Magic yeah. since Alpha, and mm. uh, I do know the world pretty well, and mm. I can see it because, yes, there is a very big, rich world, mm. but, you know, they also tried to go the route of the D&D movie, uh, where they tried to make a movie and a property out of uh, magic, and mm. they couldn't. And that's where the um, the planeswalkers came from, because they were told you need to have leads. Mm. You need to have people to latch on to. So the planeswalker were a direct result, uh, from what mm. I've been told, of them you know, needing someone that the fans could latch on to and then yeah. they could build a property around. Mm. So, you know, but now... Like iconic characters know, only, for an RPG. Yeah, like... Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can only go so far. I mean, it was once they went the, down the route of having D and D with magic, you knew that was it. Like as soon as they did that, it's like, yeah, they're they're it's Hasbro. They're opening up the can of worms. And yeah, and they're doing it vice versa as well, bringing magic yeah. into D and D. I wonder if they bring anything else into D and D. Maybe <laughs> Street Fighter. I mean, there's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they've crossed over with Stranger Things, haven't they? They've crossed over. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah. You can do it. Rick and Morty. Like, you you move say. one square to the right, one square diagonally, and then one square forward, and then attack, and it shoots out a little fireball or something. Nice. you can. Strong voice. Talking to, talking to Magic yeah. the Gathering. There's an animated series for Netflix in development at the moment. Yes. They just, they just announced the, a cast. Yeah, but that's had a little bit of a stumbling block. The showrunners have left. Ooh. So these are uh, Anthony and Joe Russo, who have done a load of Marvel stuff. Oh. 
Um, wow. And they've left the project because of creative differences, which I think is just what everyone always says. So you never Thanks. really know what the thing is. But um, <laughs> well, just, well, well, basically, it comes down to like they're, they're having like a shouting fight, saying, "No, your idea is rubbish. No, your idea is rubbish. Fine, <laughs> I quit." Yeah, <laughs> I they've imagine got, possibly more difficult. Well, they've also that. lost two writers for the series. Wow. So. Yeah, it seems to be uh, struggling a bit. They've they've only announced one cast member so far, which is Brandon Ralph, right? Or Superman, as I like to call him. That's his real name. Um, yeah, if they lost the Russo brothers. They're in they're in trouble. <laughs> mm. That's 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 a big deal. It's an animated show, though, so I suppose it's not. Is that have mm. they have they done animated stuff before? I don't know. The Russo brothers. They yeah. um. Well, they 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 come from the same. You know, they did Community. Um, so they they have the Rick and Morty, you know, like kind right, of background. Right. So, um, yeah, they indirectly do. I mean, anything they've been doing, in my opinion, has been pretty much solid gold. They're fantastic. Well, they're Marvel so films. That, they're Marvel yeah, films are really good. Are yeah. just incredibly good. So that's a big loss. That's a big deal. So. Mm. Well, I mean, this show's supposed to be coming out 2022. Yeah. So I assume, hopefully, it's going to stay on track and they're going to, they're going to, yeah. you know. Bring someone else in. Well, fingers crossed, then. Yeah. 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 And I think that then is all the news, then. I think we may have reached the end of the news. How exciting. Yeah. That was quite a quick, short little news segment this week. Yeah. Really weren't diving into these, more paddling. I think partly it's because Gen Con's coming up, and a lot of product announcements kind of hold off until then. So the week after Gen Con, we'll be quite busy. Oh, my, yes. (laughs) Oh, you're not wrong about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's time to play our favorite game. It's time to play the game. Our favorite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Shall we play <gasps> our favorite game in all the world? The game yes. where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, Stephen, you've played this before, so you know how it works, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll let you go last, and then you can see you can see how it how it works, how everyone else does it or or, or doesn't do it, as the case may be. <laughs> I promise you, it is much more fun than it sounds. I mean, you've heard the you've heard the name of the game, therefore you've also had the rules recap. Yes, yeah, yeah. Would you like to go first, Peter? Yeah, go on. All right, man. I feel good about this. What have you got? What have you got? Okay, hit me. Yeah. What is? Yeah. Corpus Angelus and Corpus Malicious. Hmm, sounds fun. Hmm. Um, awesome, sounds awesome like, I've got to say, that is an awesome name. I guess the body of an angel or something like that, and presumably the body of a devil or body of a witch, maybe? Uh, malicious, did you say? Malicious. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so this is going to be an RPG. Uh, Let's see if we take corpus as being, like, say, a body of work. Then that would suggest to me it is a um, a splat book, which is full of angels and also full of demons, uh, bound together into one big book to uh, populate your uh, extra planar uh, deity, extra planar uh, goodies and baddies, as it were, or what have you, with all sorts of things, and probably for fifth edition. <laughs> Just so, you are correct, it is for 5th edition. I think you got half the rest of it right. So it's two books, uh, Corpus okay. Malicious and Corpus Angelus. And one is, one is sort of player options and monsters, all, all sorts of stuff, basically, for, like, good-themed, and all sorts of stuff, evil-themed. 
So including monsters, but also player options, uh, locations, um, let's have a look. It actually looks quite interesting. I'm tempted with this one. So you've got new classes like the Witch and the Paragon. Uh, you've got huh. 70 new archetypes. You've got the Circle of Bones, the Zealot Paladin, the School of Demonology, the Angel Ooh. Crawler. I mean, this is a lot. It's like 900 pages of content in total. That right? is a so lot of pages of content. We've got new wow. races like the Fallen Angel and the Redeemed Fiend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a ton of stuff. We've got poison craft. We've got sacred mm. alchemy. We've got monsters, hundred, over a hundred monsters, deities, cults, organizations. I really like the look at this. 70 new archetypes. I am going to find it difficult not to back this. I'm trying not to at the moment. I'm trying to <laughs> hold, I keep on doing this. And, uh, as I said during our game last night, when I looked at, I don't know if you arrived at that point, I looked at all the Kickstarters I backed and yeah. I'm still waiting on 18 Kickstarters. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, I have to wow. calm down. I have to stop. Yeah. For- it, it's, it's an occupational hazard of, playing this game in particular, yeah. which is where you're like, oh, look, a shiny thing. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah RIP my wallet. Yeah, yeah. So okay. this is, as you say, for D&D 5th edition. It's uh, done mm. very, very well. It's um, it's done nearly £150,000 of its £12,000 goal. Oh, I don't know what that, that converts is... to in dollars. That's uh, tw- 200000 Wow, that's not bad to go. And it's still got three weeks to go as well. This is going to... Right. Yeah, this is going to do a well, quarter million easily. I mean, I got to say, it does look worth the money. Um, there is a lot going on here. Mm, mm. Uh, possessions and exorcisms, curses to far places, making sacrifice of souls as currency, Damn. black market drugs and addictions. It's uh, it's looking like this may be one for people who use more adult themes in their games. And some of those monsters look pretty nice as well. Mm. So, Peter, mm. I will give you five points out of ten for that. Yeah, that's very generous. Thank you, you. Like you got some of it, yeah. and you got the system right. But you just played the you just played the odds there. Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> the what can I say, man? <laughs> right, Stephen, are you ready? Oh boy, yeah, sure. <laughs> you can do it, Steve. What's, what's, the, what's the worst that could possibly happen? <laughs> are you ready? Yep. Okay. What is? Oh, God, this is a word I have to try and say. Borikubos. Oh my god! You can't what? even say the word. Uh, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will spell it for you though, because B B O R I C U B O S, and this is this has got a colon, and then the second half of the title basically explains exactly what it is. So I'm not telling you what's after the colon. I actually know what this uh-huh. Kickstarter is, so it's good that I didn't get it. <laughs> As long as Stephen doesn't, I, I, I pass my turn tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I do not know this one. Um, wow. So either a board game or five A. So it will. Um, it's always uh, RPG related. Oh, it's, it's always, always RPG. Okay, that, always that helps a lot. That uh, that helps. I forgot <laughs> how the games played. I don't know. It sounds pretty evil. It sounds like something demon related. Sounds like a demon's name or a devil's name. Uh, I would say, yeah, like a 5e, very dark, demonic uh, supplement, something that has, I don't know, like hardcore D&D or hardcore 5e to help you like add, you know, elements of horror and like hardcore horror and hardcore uh, demonology and, you know, sort of the dark arts to your game. 
That's 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 going to be my guess. Hmm. No, nope. it's a good guess. It's not the correct. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I, I, I was just going to say I discovered that Mark is an absolutely awesome person to play poker with. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I haven't even heard of this. One. I've, I've been on the Kickstarter quite a bit. Yeah. So this is for D and D Fifth Edition Pathfinder One E and Two E. Oh, Ooh. this is Lost Worlds. Oh no. my God, I know it's, this it's one. It's the Latin American <laughs> one it's, from Legend yeah. from Legendary yeah, Games. Yeah, it's a Latin American one. <laughs> oh, it's Legendary Games. They're my buddies. Too. They're gonna kill me. <laughs> they, they were your. I, I blame <laughs> your. I blame your crappy pronunciation. Yeah, they were your buddies. But you it's asked my, him. It's my fault. You asked him what the worst thing that could happen was, and the worst thing that could happen is that he didn't remember oh, one that, I know. that are from I'm his buddies. <laughs> Look, I have their book right. Right here, I'm holding it. It's sitting next to me. He just said pause. So important things first. How do you actually pronounce the name of this Kickstarter? For my education, if not Russ's. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure, but probably like Bori <laughs> Kubos. That's what, that's probably, if I heard that's it like that, probably I would better than like, I did. <laughs> Tropical pirates and like and Mesopotamia and yeah, I I totally would have gotten it. Yeah. It's right. uh, sure you would you pronounce Stephen. it evilly. Sure. Well, Ross pronounced it very evil. Stephen, are you just used it to is, like that, that, that like really really um, suave villain in in the movie who pronounces things in a British accent and you well, just you think know, it's as, you, as I told you, that's just the British way in, in America. <laughs> That's true. You know what? In America, all villains are British. So, Ross, anything Ross says sounds evil. Oh, really, Mr. Glicker? Is that the case? <laughs> if they're not British, yeah. they're at least played by British people. That's Hans, Hans Gruber wasn't pretend. British, but he was certainly played yeah. by one. Or at least they, they either they have a British accent or they pretend to have a British accent. Okay. Anyway, so this one... Um, Let's see if I get the uh, hard one, because Peter's was guessable from the name, and Stevens I already <laughs> knew, so I'm going to get the one that I'm going to get totally wrong. <laughs> I just wanted to say, just, just on this uh, this last one, I just want to say this: yeah. uh, they use craters from Central and South America mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in, order, in order to make this, so it's very... Ooh. I, you know, have gone for a very, very sort of deep dive into folklore and history. They've got ancestries, classes, monsters, gods, all sorts of stuff. So it looks, it looks pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, is that its own independent system? No. No. Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, Pathfinder 1E and 2E. Oh, of course. Yes, you did Yeah, legendary. Wow. They're great because they do they do Pathfinder first edition and second, which is really pretty hard. They, yeah, they, and they quite often do this multi system yeah. stuff, don't they? They often. Yeah. I mean, Russ, you've met. Stephen, right? So Stephen's not actually a really small person. Because if Stephen's very small, well, that book was absolutely massive. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm not that big. Look at the size of this book. Uh, this is their new uh, adventure uh, pad. <laughs> How many pages? Thinking, have I well, got Stephen's size wrong? How many pages is that? I got. <laughs> for, just, just for the listener's benefit, that's not actually uh, the book in the Kickstarter. He's yes. no, it's no, just no, 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 by no. the same company. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I was thinking about what you were saying, Russ, about how you like kickstart wow. something. I kickstarted this, I don't know, like two years ago. Mm. It just showed up. It is kind I'm of so fun when something you'd forgotten you back <laughs> suddenly arrives. Yeah. Right. I like that. Uh, past you sending future you presents. <laughs> right then. So that leaves one for yes. Mark. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> you can do this, we believe. All right, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. What is Don't Tell Mom and Dad? Don't tell mom and dad. Mm. Definitely the hardest one. Okay. 
Um, so I am going to say uh, that this one is not 5e. I thought that the first one probably was. I'm going to say this is an indie RPG about playing children who see like monsters or other strange creatures and are dealing with them on their own. And they're not, that's why they're not going to tell mom and dad about these kinds of things that they've seen. So that's, that's my guess. Mark, it is exactly that. What? what? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> so this is an OSR yeah. RPG, um, set on basically the kids on bikes subgenre. So Stranger Things, mm-hmm. ET, all that, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uses a modified D20 system, um, set in like the 80s. So you haven't got, yeah. um, you haven't got, uh, cell phones or anything. Yeah, and phones. you're just like discovering horrors and stuff in your hometown. Yeah. It looks kind of fun. So, uh, so Mark, a million points for that. Well done. Thank you. Uh, which, oh, <laughs> which means, uh, Mark, you have a million points. Peter, you have five, five points, I believe. And That's- Stephen. I don't, I don't think know. you've I got anything for that. I, I think Steven should get zero because he literally <laughs> because he literally is friends with Legendary Games and should have known it. So it's like it's an extra penalty. I think that's probably worth minus a million points to be fair. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. that's, there's so pride between in, in wow. Yost, between the wow. two of us, Team Battles, who got zero. There we go. There we go. Yeah. That's why Mark is Mark is my partner because if I mess up, he saves my bacon. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking. Wow, I can actually read the license plate on your back <laughs> from the bus that I just hit you. <laughs> So I think that means that um, technically, yeah. So if you were playing as a team, Peter would be the winner. But fortunately, you're not. So Mark is the winner with a million points and gets to take home the metaphorical trophy, which is a smug sense of self-satisfaction. Ooh, now what do we have here? This is my latest Kickstarter. It is, I think you'll find, a true innovation in tabletop game design. Ooh, how intriguing. I do love new cutting-edge, envelope-pushing concepts. What's it for, then? Well, I'll need you to sign a disclaimer first. Top secret and all that. A disclaimer? For a Kickstarter? Like I said, it's highly innovative. I wouldn't want word getting out. People might copy me. Well, how do you plan to market your Kickstarter without word getting out? You just leave it up to me, my friend. Anyway, thank you for signing. Now then, let me introduce the brand new D-Yog system. D-Yog? Yes, indeed. It stands for the Design Your Own Game system. Um... I knew you'd be speechless. I'm pretty sure this has never been done before. No, I'm pretty sure you're right. For a mere 50 of your finest dollars, now you can create your own game. I mean, I was kind of hoping you'd created a game for me. <laughs> That's so 2020 for you, my friend. Tabletop game design has advanced far since those old days. Okay, okay, I'll bite. I assume I get some kind of detailed game construction system with different options and choices which guide me through the entire process. Hmm, not, not, not as such. I wouldn't dream of constraining your creativity in such a way. Oh, right, well, in that case, presumably, it's a book full of ideas and hooks I can use to ignite my own imagination. Well, no, not really. I wouldn't want to put words into your head. True creativity comes from within. Ah, well then, 
that case, it must be a book crammed with advice and essays on various aspects of game design and marketing from world-leading experts in the field. Huh. Yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Huh. Ah, so that's what it is then, is it? No. You know, I'm a little bit confused. For $50, what exactly is it I get? You get a creative receptacle designed to accommodate your thoughts and writings. You mean a notebook? In, in a sense, yes. Uh, well, I'm imagining a gorgeous faux leather book with fancy gold trim and uh, ribbons. I mean, not as such. What do you mean? You mean it's just like a plain, ordinary, spiral-bound notebook? Well, this Kickstarter is a digital project designed to keep material costs down. Wait, you mean you're selling me a PDF? Yes, that's it, exactly. A blank PDF. Right, Ingo, you've got it. For $50. It's a 50-page PDF, mate. Just $1 per page. $1 per blank page. That's it. Now you see the beauty of the D-York system. Now you can see why I need to keep it on the hush-hush. The down low, so to speak. What, so nobody found out you were ripping them off? Ah, how? Very day. This is the most original Kickstarter you'll ever see. Nobody else has ever done anything like this. Yeah, for good reason. Look, I'm not going to pay you $50 for a blank PDF, no matter how many pages it has. You haven't seen the stretch goals yet? What, more blank pages? Oh, yes, of course. With a 300-page PDF, you can design a game to rival the top-tier hardcovers. Look here, mate. I don't know who you think you're kidding here, but I'm not falling for this obvious scam. Design your own game system, indeed. Blank PDFs. It's ridiculous. That's a bit over the top, isn't it? I guess some people just don't have any imagination. You try to revolutionise the industry, and what do you get? Imagination? Revolutionise the industry? You're completely deluded. If it wasn't for that damn disclaimer, I foolishly signed... I tell the whole world about this nonsense you've cooked up. Oh, to be a genius in one's own time. It is a weird thing. Genius? Genius? You made a blank PDF, and now you're selling it for $50. Exactly. Hmm. I suppose that is quite clever when I think about it. You were saying? Uh, Fair play, mate. Fair play. I'll take ten. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers yes. get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. 
So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. Battle Zoo um, Best In fact, this isn't just the Battle Zoo Best is it? Because you've got no. a whole bunch no. of stuff associated with this coming out. All in the same, all in the same Kickstarter, are they? Yep. yep. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Well, okay. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to deny Let's do some that. history first, though. <laughs> let's do some... Let's, let's, can, we, can we do a very quick recap? Of course. On, mm. on the, um, on the uh, RPG Superstar. So yes. can you just kind of fill us in on... Because I think when we spoke to you before, it was coming up. Correct. Last time I was on the show, it was myself and Owen, Casey Mm. Stevens, and it was the rebirth of RPG Superstar, and that's something that Owen did with Paizo, where you would submit RPG, uh, whether it was items or monsters, and then it would be voted on, and then Mm. when Paizo did it, it would go through like five rounds. And then at the end, you would write an adventure, and there'd be one winner, and that's it. And when I redid it, I got the license from Paizo because they weren't using it. And Owen used to run it, so he helped me. And then we instead decided to do Monsters because everyone loves Monsters. And Mm. quite frankly, if you want to get into the industry, learning how to write Monsters is almost always where you start off. And so that was an excellent place because a lot of people who entered RPG Superstar were people who wanted to get into the industry. Mm. And then in the end, after we got hundreds and hundreds of entries, and then it went through around the professional editors who voted on it. And Owen was one of them. Myself was one of them. Um, a couple of other people in the industry uh, helped vote on that. And then after we got it down to 101 monsters, because we wanted to have a lot of people win mm-hmm. and give a lot of opportunity out there, we did mm-hmm. public voting. And then from the public voting, we ranked it from grand prize to platinum to gold to silver and copper. And then, voila, in the end, we had actually, it ends up being 114 winners because the the five top prizes, they actually built out families of monsters. So Mm. they just built out a couple of monsters. And then they worked with Patrick Reaney from Paizo to finish up their monsters. And he took all the monsters and all the winning entries and super polished them and Mm. used all his magic from Paizo to give them that polish and sheen. Right, right. So these Mm. are, you know... Winning monsters that were then gone through the professional editor's eye, and <laughs> so they came out sweet. <laughs> These are really awesome monsters. So who who was the nice. grand winner then? The big the big winner of the, the grand winner was strangely enough it it was the it was it was actually overwhelming. It was the number it was the winner for both the judges and the public. Right. And it was this wow. little guy. Actually, look, I actually have a book in front of me. Look at Ooh, this. Very nice. Uh, shell spitter. Sh- uh, spell spitter? Yeah. Sp- shell <laughs> spitter. <laughs> hey, man, I didn't realize that. Maybe <laughs> I should have renamed it. Well, too late now. Uh, um, the shell spitter. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, nah. It takes up. Yeah. Oily rocks and cops them at you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have now got an excellent name for a new monster. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, you do. Well, that's it's, that's a slang. That's what people call it when they encounter it. No, it's just it's like it's funny. It's just this like a CR two, you know, cr- a level two creature, and okay. they're really tiny, but they they were really cool. What they do is they actually live in rock, mm-hmm. and they basically are rock. They're basically living rocks, but they they can be in any environment. And they have little, like, curl-ups so they can sort of defend themselves. 
they can drop, drop stalactites on you, and they use, like, uh, sonic attacks, which are always cool, Ooh. because not a lot of monsters use sonic. So Ooh. it uses, like, sonic to, like, like make rocks, like, do little landslides. So they can be mm-hmm. sitting there, and you're like, oh, what's that cute little thing? And then they, like, go, ooh, and then suddenly, like, things are falling all around you, and you're like, oh, the environment is attacking me. It's killing me. And they could do rock slides. They can spit shell at you. But what Ooh. makes them really cool is that they have a thing called a heart gem, and Ooh. they are treasure. So uh. inside of them, their, their heart is literally made out of a gem. So when you kill them, you get treasure. Yeah. <laughs> so this kind of ties into your monster part system, which is also another part species. Of yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. it does tie in. Well, it, they, you think they are endangered, except there's different versions. Like, so this is where we like built it out. You have the shell spitter, and then eventually we went back to the authors and we said, let's build out all of them. And then there's like a shell swarm, which is like all oh. the baby shells, oh. and then you have a shell uh, charger. Which is sort of oh, like a right. like a brute force one, yeah, and right. then you have like a shell beast, which like has pointy spikes. Yeah. But then you have the cool. and this is on the cover too. This is they, the shell behemoth, no, and that is that's, the, that's like the dragon version. And the cool thing yeah. about them is mm-hmm. the shell oh. behemoth. They have four thousand again. These are Pathfinder numbers. Uh, four thousand gold worth of rare ge- rare gems on them, and they even have things like elemental gems. Crystal balls, thunderstones, like they are literally walking gem fortresses. And then he's on the cover too. And you can mm, see, like, nice. you kill them and then you get a fortune. So, you know, that that was a good example of like a platinum, uh, sorry, grand prize because yeah. you can Ooh. build an entire venture path. Like, and you, mm. there's so much story in that type of creature. Yeah. There's just so many angles with them. And they work well, in any the, environment. There'd be something like shell splitters of the. Shell spitter mines. <laughs> the shell spitter spit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, need, I need to work on that a little bit, but I'm sure I can get some. Yeah, I think, I think you almost need to improve that a little. In, yeah. Impossible. Spell, what? Uh, shell splitters of the shell splitter uh, spell. Sorry, Peter, stop auditioning for a job advisor. You're not going to get it with these. Bah, bah, bah. So who who wrote who wrote that monster? Uh, it was written by uh, Brent Vallier or Brent Vallier. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and every single monster, we have their winner, the prize, and then we have the name. <sighs> so yeah. we, okay. I give full credit to every single author in the book mm. and to make sure that anyone goes out there who wants to hire these people, that mm. they know exactly, you know, like, oh, I really like that monster. Let's get in contact with them. Yeah. So you've yeah. got 114 of them in there. <laughs> yes. And that's basically mm. the best 114 out of however many hundreds many that were hundreds. entered. What, yeah. uh, what, is, what are some of your favorites, if you had to pick, like, two oh, or three? They're all Stephen They're all Stephen They're all my favorites. <laughs> every he changes all. for every interview. He picks uh, different ones. Right, well, I actually have a couple. Absolutely. I'll give you a few. Okay. Uh, here's the, uh, it's the same ones, but the Blood Mouse. I, I was looking at that earlier on the preview PDF <laughs> you sent me. Uh, that, that is everyone's answer. What happens if you take a mosquito and a mouse and you mm. combine them? And you look at it and you're like, here, actually, I can Why do this while for the first time. Look at that. You're like, oh, it's Aww. so cute. What happened it, to its mouth? Why does it, it have a proboscis? It, Why it, is it sucking blood? It, it, it's got like a mouth and it sort of splits apart into that like multi-part mouthpiece mm-hmm. that you might see on, say, Stranger Things with the demigorgon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Butcher Booth is actually also one of my favorites. Butcher Booth is actually... Yeah. Um, 
if you download the sample, you can mm. see it. And actually, it was converted, yeah, yeah. I think, to 5e for the sample. is um, It is a building-sized mimic. Right. It's a mimic the size of a building. So you oh, walk in, yes. and you're like, hey, we're, what's for sale here? And then you start getting devoured. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, that, oh, these, these floors are super sticky. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Mm. Well, yeah. it's, ah, always, a building yeah. tavern, a, a mimic tavern. Now we're talking. Because right. <laughs> you expect There's... the floors to be sticky in there, yes. All right, here's one that I haven't done before, Mark. You haven't seen this one. That's only because I now have art that I can show. The Ooh. art is insane. The Living Library, it's Ooh. literally... That's I a mean, lot the of pages. Art, the pers- I know. The person who designed, uh, the artist <laughs> who actually did this lost their minds. Mm-hmm. It's it's literally a, a library come to life. And right. so you take Ooh. all the library and all the books it, and... It's... It has the same sort of vibe as like a bride wearing a wedding dress, mm-hmm. except presumably bigger. So sort of a cross between like the Statue of Liberty, if they were wearing a wedding dress, and were made of paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, it's I'm pretty cool. They, there's a lot of those actually in this book. That actually seemed to be a very common theme is Ooh. taking inanimate objects. And again, this is like you know, just these are just you know. I didn't have any rules on what you submitted, yeah, but like yeah. there's a lot of like things coming to life. Um, mm. Like, the, here's a library that comes to life. Uh, here's Living Proof, which yeah. is a little uh, formula book that comes to life. There's Scroll Mold, which actually is another f- very popular one, where if you have magical scrolls and they sit around for too long yeah. and mold grows on them, they sort of, some of the energies from the scroll and the magic seeps into the mold, and then they come to life, and then they, like, walk. That's the funny thing. They walk away. So if you don't, like, you know, constantly get rid of the scroll mold... Your libraries will literally pick up and leave because they uh, that's uh, what so they get sentience and then they're just like bye. So, so is, it kind of fair, <laughs> is it kind of like fair to say that the monsters in this book then are sort of a little bit more off the wall and unusual and creative than maybe like a core monster book wouldn't? Because core monster book kind of has to stock you up with a lot of the orcs and goblins and the north and the stuff you expect yeah, to see in a definitely. fantasy world. Whereas yeah, yeah. This, this one, is this is definitely. If you're looking for creative monsters, mm-hmm. this is this is the book for you. Like there's mm-hmm. there is a lot of creative monsters and there's a lot of I wouldn't even say off the wall. I would just say, you know, just things you haven't seen before. That was one thing a lot of the professional uh judges would say in their critiques is that like I have not seen this before. Like this right. is just and that's mm. something cuz they've seen everything. Yeah. Like one of yeah. one of the big winners was the um uh, the salt salt stalker and, yeah the salt stalkers mm-hmm. and they are a family of creatures that kill you by taking out the water and moisture in your yeah. body yeah so, it's going to be difficult coming up with original monsters because if you think about the yeah. number of monster books mm-hmm. that even just one company like Paizo mm-hmm. has produced over the years mm-hmm. let alone the rest of the industry coming up with original stuff is you know if, if you come up with something that all the judges say oh, I've never seen that before that's pretty cool I think You'd be surprised. I mean, you'd think it would run out, and I did too. But after working on this, and then you know, even seeing what the judges you know went through, there's just there's a lot of stuff in here that you just mm-hmm. I, I, and I've you know I've been playing since the seventies. I myself, I'd, I'd say almost you know like yes, we have dragons in here, mm. and of course everyone's seen dragons. So the dragons in here they're a little bit different though. This one actually. Is interesting. There's uh, th- like some of the dragons, some of them just have you know unique takes on them. Mm. But even as simple as 
uh, actually, here's an, a good example one, like a dryad, an undead dryad. They're called right. the dryad husk. Mm. One of those like, okay, that's a good idea, and I haven't seen it before. Yeah. Like, like oh, wait, why didn't we think of that before? Like, well, yeah. of course there'd be undead dryads and undead <laughs> ants and mm. lush. Undead ants, ooh. Yeah. Don't like, yeah I do not a, like the idea of that. Yeah, it's one right here. <laughs> it's an undead ant. <laughs> nice. So. That that would have made Lord of the Rings a very different, <laughs> very different movie. <laughs> yeah. So that, so you, <laughs> they're very so slow to, to eat your brain. <laughs> well, there is that, that. <laughs> You're doing that for Pathfinder, but you're also doing it for 5e as yep. well. Yes. So, so we decided, you know, to do this twice would have been madness because mm. it's a lot of work to do this once. So, yeah, we decided... All of these books, there's three of them where I'm converting as well, and I am um, I'm not going to name drop, but I'm actually working with some of the people who work for Ian Publishing to help me convert these <gasps> to five E. <laughs> so, and they they're doing a great job. Let me tell mm. you, everyone who works for Ian Publishing does a great job. They're amazing. That's right. They're right. They have to go through a rigorous training <laughs> process and a very, very long... It's like, you know, like the astronaut selection process. Except mm-hmm. it's yeah. all it's, playing it's, the it's Kickstarter a, game. For, you play the Kickstarter game for a <laughs> yes, few hours, yeah. and by the end of it, exactly. you can name anything mm-hmm. and figure out what it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And also, they, can, they can withstand incredible G-forces as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're right, right now I'm working with um, William Fisher mm. and Paul. Mm. Um, I think they, they work with Ian. Um, publishing and they yeah they they're doing a really good job um they're helping convert all the creatures to 5e and so it's gonna, is the 5e going to be a separate book or is it a dual yeah. static book no it's a separate two, book two and legally you have to do that too but yep it's it's, it's basically gonna be the exact same book yeah well obviously except a little different 5e creatures take up a little bit more space mm. but i'm finding it's, it's a lot easier to go from pathfinder to 5e um because pathfinder rules are so tight and path and path uh 5e rules are a little bit looser and it's mm-hmm. more about feel yeah. so it's it's uh definitely a lot easier to go from one to the other but yeah there everything's going to be separate books and then the kickstarter you can choose you can select any of the books and then in the backer kit you just select if you want 5e yeah. or pf2 or both if you Ooh. really are interested so mm-hmm. so what's, what's the highest challenge the highest level creature in the book ah Who's that, the was actually, one? that Who's is actually that is my favorite one, one. <laughs> you asked me what my favorite one is. I make it favorite. up every time. They're all my favorite, but I'll be honest, this is actually I can't my favorite choose. one. No, this is actually my favorite one. I, I shouldn't say that, but for those of you who are designed monsters that aren't listening, it's my favorite one. It is Smegvid, the Paws Monkey. It's okay. a twenty level 23 creature. You've yeah. heard of, you know, the, the monkey monkey's paw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is the monkey that paw came from. Oh, <laughs> and boy, is it angry. And he wants yeah. it back. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing with my paw? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, you can see the artwork. He is like, yeah, what, you can see he's got a little stub too. And he's like, where's my paw? Yeah. I want that thing back. I've been thinking as you've been showing me that, that the uh, artwork in that book is gorgeous. It's absolutely yeah beautiful thank you thank you yeah we worked real hard on it but yeah this thing is yeah because everyone's funny that's the first thing everyone always does it's like what's the highest level monster yeah and well, yeah do you know what that's the first whenever i get a monster book that's mm-hmm. within the first five minutes i've looked for the highest level monster in that book mm-hmm. without fail yeah i, can't help I, I love this one and yeah i mean they have 
it's funny it's his entire existence is looking for his missing paw and he actually goes through the multiverse looking for it <laughs> and like you so it's it's bad enough you get the the monkey's paw but then you have this guy coming after you <laughs> who wants it back <laughs> i want my paw back yeah, yeah pretty much so yeah. but that's an example of like as soon as i read that i was like that is genius like mm-hmm. i didn't even i've never thought of that aspect of like mm-hmm. where did that paw come from yeah <laughs> So, there so you go. So, unless you've got the book in front of you, yes. literally in your hands now. So, yeah. this isn't a case of you're going to start working on it after the Kickstarter. You've pretty much, well, you've done that one because you're holding it. Yeah. But um, that means is it reasonable to assume that people are going to get their rewards fairly quickly compared mm-hmm. to, like, some Kickstarters, like <laughs> some of the 18 that I'm still waiting for? <laughs> yes and no. Mm. So, yes and no. So, the, the this is the Pathfinder 2 version of the book. Yeah. And this is actually just um, uh, a proof. So this is actually the real one. Yeah. Um, so the goal is as soon as the Kickstarter is over, which is October 1st, mm. the PFs, the PDFs of the Battles of Beast Area are going to mm. go out uh, as soon as possible. The actual 5e version is being converted now. So mm-hmm. there's six books and only one is done. <laughs> right. So, But the conversion process is going forward now. So the Battles of Mystery hopefully should be all done. Yeah. Uh, Pathfinder definitely by the end of the year. Everyone wants you get at least a PDF. The book is a little trickier because it's cheaper to ship and easier to do all the books at once mm. rather than like individual books. Sure. I mean, yeah, it, it's yeah. a possibility, but yeah. you know, I mean, through the fulfillment house I'm using, it's like, I mean, if people really want two shipments, I can do it, but their experience is like, no one does that. Everyone mm. would just rather wait for one. The uh, dragon book Mark is currently writing right now, which is, you can actually play a dragon and as soon as he finishes it and I get artwork and it goes through editing, you know, we'll hopefully get that out. And then the Adventure Path, the Jewel of the Indigo Isles, is also being written right now. And those are all being targeted, like, they should be done by the Mm. end of the year in terms of uh, content and actually having them written and then artwork. So the hardest part is the maps for the Adventure Path. Maps take a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm looking towards getting physical hard copies in everyone's hands by quarter one. Uh, 2022, right. which I think right. is realistic. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so let's talk about, as soon as PDFs about... are available, I'll give them out. Like that's yeah. the thing. You order it when that PDF's ready. Boom, you get it, Excellent. and then you get the book later. So, so mm. let's, let's let's talk about that dragon book then. Dragon Ancestries, I think it's called. Uh, yes. Which mm. Mark you are writing? That's right. So what's what's this then? This is about playing a dragon. That's right. So like oh. ever since Pathfinder Second Edition launched, like. Maybe like a month after that, I was, you know, sitting around at night and I was thinking, you know what? It would be really cool if you could play a dragon or some other kind of like traditionally monster character. Hmm. And I started coming up in my free time with some rules for how that might happen. But I wasn't really sure like if or how I could publish it and um, like... You know, art is expensive, it's hard. But I was working mm-hmm. on the monster parts system for Steven on the Battle mm-hmm. Zoo Bestiary, and we finished after a while, there was a lot of iteration back and forth, and just we got really? more things in the system, the book got bigger, and eventually we were done. And so we were talking about what mm-hmm. comes next, and I said to Steven, well, one thing we could do that I had this idea to do is 
a book about dragons. Uh, maybe we can do that sometime down the road. And Steven's like, we'll add it to the Kickstarter. Um, and so uh, that's how um, my my little book idea about dragons got added to the Kickstarter with the Battle Zoo bestiary. And so, yeah, it's going to be an ancestry to play dragons. And it's going to have probably 40 different heritages to covered the 39 true dragons of Pathfinder plus one new one for uh, that's new to the Battle Zoo universe uh, that's going to appear in the Indigo Isles adventure because it is not in the Battle Zoo best area yet. They do not have any okay. true dragons. I don't think anyone was really allowed to submit a true dragon since it requires multiple stat blocks. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. they could have done like an adult, but there were no winners that were. So, um, yeah, it's going to let you play a dragon and it's going to use, um, some ideas I came up with all that time ago for kind of not only using the usual ancestry mechanics where you get ancestry feats and a heritage, but also, um, archetypes that let you use your class feats on being a dragon. Mm. And the reason for that is class feats in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, they do more. They really speak to your identity more. They give you actions and abilities that like might define your turn by turn in a way that like an elf mm. feat wouldn't. Because if you had a feat right. for elves that was like elf bow shot mm. or something like that that you used every turn, mm. then an elf ranger and an elf arch, uh, an elf fighter and an elf like any different class, they would all use the same thing. And you don't want all of the elves to play more similarly. You want all the rangers to feel different and the elf to add something yeah. on top of that to get more replayability. But with a dragon, it's kind of a different story, right? Because that takes, like, a bigger budget out of somebody's fantasy of what they're playing. Like, elf wizard Mm -hmm. and elf fighter should be pretty different. But once you've said dragon is what you are, that might take... The dragon's the main thing. Yeah, it might become more of the main thing. Yeah, Yeah. you got it. Yeah. And so that is why um, an archetype that lets people use their feats from their class uh, in order to take dragon stuff... It makes sense for a dragon and it wouldn't really make as much sense for an elf. Right. And so that's sort of that's sort of the mix of, of how it's gonna go. So is it kind of like you play dragons and everyone else plays dragons, or is it balanced so that a dragon can join a regular party? It's gonna be balanced, so a dragon can join a regular party and right. it probably have a sidebar that is like, well, you know what? Maybe you don't want to play a balanced dragon and you just want to be a lot stronger and have some suggestions. There's already some variants in Game Mastery Guide um, that I wrote for um, Pathfinder 2nd Edition that let you like get a free archetype just that is just given to your character in addition to everything else. And another one mm. called Ancestry Paragon in Game Mastery Guide where you get more Ancestry stuff. So... If you want a dragon with more dragon things, you can actually already use published variants to be like, oh, well, we're playing Ancestry yeah. Paragon and free class, uh, uh, free archetype for your class feats. So you can get all the dragon stuff for free, but then the elf also will be able to get some archetype that is not dragon. Like then maybe they get to be mm. a medic for free or a, an archer for free or an assassin. And, um, then they get more elf feats. So. There's ways to do it where you're not all dragons. I'm sure there's with 40 heritages, there'll be enough different dragons that you can do it where everybody's a dragon if you want. And there is a um, kind of a significant lore treatment about the idea of what it means to be an adventuring dragon. Because normally, right, dragons 
start out as these little baby dragons and over thousands of years they power up until they get to their largest and most powerful form. But this is an adventuring dragon is probably based on the pace of most adventures, right? Is going to become super powerful in a, in a few years at most, maybe a few months. Mm. For some games, a few weeks you can get from level one to 20. Days, yeah. Yeah. A few by days. Lunch, by lunchtime. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, oh, I'm super powerful. So I, um, there's some lore in there about like what happens and how you become one of these adventuring dragons. And, um, mm. it explains why and how you're able to accumulate power faster what risks you were taking and just to give you a little tidbit that i haven't said in any interviews up to this point there is a draconic ritual that no one knows which dragon created it originally but uh it many people think it's because of the fact that anytime there's something where you can get really strong and it takes a long time like thousands of years Mm -hmm. there's going to be somebody who wants to try to do it faster and so uh, but it also, some of the results of the ritual are not necessarily, um, always safe, but some, but if it works correctly, it also kind of heals you up. So your dragon mm-hmm. might be someone who's impatient and just wanted to be able to get power sooner, but it might be someone who was, had a yeah. life threatening issue and needed to do this. And it also could be used to heal someone else. So there's actually different Ooh. motivations. You don't have to be like, well, since I'm playing this dragon, that means I have to be like an impatient youngster who wanted my power sooner. It gives some some more options, but it also lets the gamest fact of the fact that we know you're going to level up to a lot of levels really fast still match the world. And it gives you a, a, a way to role play with other dragons who are not doing this that immediately creates yeah. some tension because other dragons kind of see this as yeah. being like, some of them see it as being like a a, uh, a foolhardy path to try to get power quicker, and so you and might kind have of cheating, sort of yeah. Thing, yeah, cheap hacks yeah. is what yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Yeah. Mm. So, it wasn't just a dragon ancestry's book you've written here, though. Your name is all over mm. this list of things. So, we've got a monster part system. That's right, and that's in the Battle Zoo Best here itself. I I love the idea of this. So, um, this is about killing stuff and taking bits of them and doing stuff with those bits is that is and that you don't cool. have to About kill right. them like my group we're pretty <laughs> okay. peaceful we like to make friends with npcs you definitely can and that's what a lot of people want to <laughs> do right like monster hunter it uh this system is not exactly like monster hunter it's a little bit different mm. but um what i mean by you don't have to kill them is you know how in fantasy genre there's this staple that like a, a feather of an angel freely given is like more mm, powerful yeah. than um, just yeah. like if you grab a hundred feathers off of a dead angel on the floor. Yeah, uh, it holds yeah, some like, kind of uh, a weight. Uh, Ursula and that sort of thing uses her best magic by uh, by getting people to offer things. Exactly, like the, um, taking things by force is never as effective as something freely given, and that's yeah. yeah. Quite a nice way to look at a non-violent approach. Yeah, that's exactly what it has here. Because mm. basically what I've mm. done is, like, you know, in, in Monster Hunter and many video game crafting systems, uh, the way it works is, you know, you kill exactly this one monster. Like, maybe you kill a boule, and then mm. these are the five items that require boule scale in a certain amount. But the way this system works that makes it kind of automatically future-proofed and very, very flexible mm. is that... Anytime you kill a monster or, or befriend them and get a, a piece from them or maybe beat them in a contest of wits and they agree to give it to you, you get parts with a particular value. 
And I mm-hmm. basically did a lot of math for you so that the GM does not have to do any of the math. They can just use the tables that I put in there for three different possibilities. One of which is that like just everything is monster parts. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to use anything else. One of them is like, well, we're mostly using the magic items from Pathfinder second edition, but also maybe we're in the woods and we don't have money and we don't have a way to spend it. So we'll just change the liquid mm. cash and gems and stuff into monster parts and add, uh, have a few things that we make out of that. Then the hybrid, which mm. is my favorite, but is the one that's a little harder to adapt from published adventures because it's super easy in published adventures to take out everything or to take out just the gold pieces. But with hybrid, you mm. take out like some of the things and replace them with monster parts. And I did, I, there are three different tables and you just pull the one that your group decides as, as together that you want to do. And it yeah. tells you how much value of parts you got. And so that one feather that was freely given, if, if it's the table says you need a hundred gold pieces, that that's what the GM is going to give you for that angel, that that has, that feather is a hundred gold pieces. And if mm. you killed the angel, then, you know, the everything you got off the angel is a hundred gold pieces. So it works out the, to the same either way. But you get a generic value of item, and then as long as the <laughs> creature matches the kind of thing you're trying to create, you can. So it's not that you yeah. need boulet scale to create boots of striding and springing or whatever. It's that uh, that may not be a good example of something but uh, that a monster hunter style system would do. But it's more that like, okay, I killed a monster that does slashing damage with one of its attacks. Now I can upgrade my sword. Uh, right. So a Tyrannosaurus's no. bite is piercing and swords are actually slashing or piercing. So, uh, sure, I can upgrade. I can make a Tyrannosaurus fang sword now. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's how it's future-proof because a new item comes out later, a new monster comes out later. And because of these very yes. broad and easy-to-meet um, sort of criteria, yeah. but that still makes sense in the world of how, how oh. you're using the item, you can just use the it item for almost anything. Sense. Yeah. So the idea of it... leaning into the story aspects, yeah. Bingo. Peter, you got this. So Mm. I did the math Mm. because I want you to be able to do the Mm. stories. It's all about making Mm. the items have a bigger Mm. story. The monsters that you fought and the items that come out of it means you'll possibly remember that monster for much longer, the T-Rex, now that you have the T-Rex fang. You'll remember the weapon more and the you customize, like, the appearance... And how it is. So, like, for example, Steven has been playtesting this system in one of his Patreon podcasts. And they killed, like, a swarm of centipedes, I think. And they mm-hmm. um, they realized that centipedes had some special senses. Um, other, You know, they had, like, dark vision or tremor sense or something. And that is the requirement to make an item that makes you better at perception. And so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Steven said, so what are you going to make that? And so, one of the characters made, like, a... A, like a goggly mask thing that's like out of centipede pieces that uh, she now wears yeah. over her face and that, that that raises up her perception. So basically, yeah. you make up, you make the story. It brings the players a little bit more mm. into the narrative uh, with monsters, mm. which are yeah. usually more on the GM side, and with items, which are also usually something yeah. the GM kind of hands out. They, and so that's what I'm into. Agency and a sense of agency and a sense of authorship over the game world so that they feel that they can really buy into it. Exactly. And since the yeah, requirements yeah. are so are easy to meet, um, it also gives you mm. multiple options. So 
let's say you killed a magma scorpion. It's a type of fire elemental. Um, so you could use the scorpion stinger to upgrade a piercing weapon, or you could use the same value of parts to put a fire imbued property into your weapon. Um, so in fact, the, the example of, of play that is in the book is using a T-Rex fang to make a sword and then using magma scorpion to imbue flame into the sword. And so you've got sort of this thing going on. And like Steven's group, then they fought a mimic and mimics do not have a slashing or piercing attack. And, uh, one character wanted to put it onto his bow, I think. And it's piercing. And Steven said, actually, that, that is one that you can't put piercing on and just upgrade your bow's basic stats. So then the player got an idea and put Bane against aberrations on it because the requirement for Bane uh. is that you need parts from either the same kind of thing that you want to make Bane against or something that's the mm-hmm. exact opposite. So like you mm-hmm. can either yeah, so. make a demon Bane weapon with demons or with like an angel or something because th- mm-hmm. that's like yeah. anathema to them. Basic magical principles like principles of similarity, principles of dissimilarity. Bingo. Um, and in the end, you've got you, you've almost got like um. A name and a story, like Fire Fang, crafted from the Fang of a T-Rex and the Fire of a Fire Scorpion, is a pretty cool name for your sword, as opposed to Bob, the plus one sword of bonus fire damage. You got it. (laughs) And what's wrong with Bob, the plus one sword of bonus fire damage? As far as you're concerned, nothing. The system system even tells you that you've got to name it. You've got to give it a special name, like in one of the steps. So, yeah, it's definitely Mm. important. And, um, yeah, mm. I think you, you have a really strong sense of like why, why this system Ooh. is, um, why I think it's so cool. cool. Going back to what you're saying about things being willingly given, I think mm. that's also a neat way to circumvent. There's a slight ickiness, uh, with the concept of harvesting parts of a sentient creature. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you, but if, if it's something willingly given, that neatly circumvents that problem, I think. That way think groups can clever. play in any range that they want to play. That's one thing that's yeah. really big for me. Like, you know, I talked a little mm. bit before about the fact that I wrote, like, pretty much most of the variants in the Game Mastery Guide. And I wrote a lot of variants mm. in Pathfinder Unchained. And I always have been modding my game, even before I was a designer. I guess that's what got me into mm. it. And so yeah. when I wrote this system, I put in a whole bunch of variants or sidebars that are like, oh, what if you're playing the automatic bonus progression without um, bonus items in Pathfinder 2nd Edition? How does that work with this? What if you're using the relic system? Mm. How does that work with this? What if you yeah. want to make crafting, the crafting skill still more important because this system kind of removes some of the need for the crafting skill because you're just mm. sort of assumed in the story to be working on the parts and it goes very fast. This is because you yeah. normally would be able to like buy the item and in, in a lot of people's games, you, they need to be able to get the items quickly. But some people mm. might want a longer story about crafting because that's the story they're telling, like in the Kalevala with the whole crafting the Sampo or there, there are certain stories and myths about crafting taking a long time. And so it, it talks about yeah. what if you want to put that back in? So it's got a lot of what ifs to be, um, so the readers, the group can get together, talk together, decide which of these you want to use, and it like fully goes through what the implications are for you to, based on that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So um, whipping through these things, we still got a couple more bits to get through yet. We got a adventure here. I see Jewel of the Indigo oh. Isles. So this is um, this contains a bunch of monsters from the Battle Zoo Vestry, and I understand the monster part system you were just talking about is integrated into this adventure as well. Mm-hmm. So can you yep. talk a little about a little about that? 
I can talk quite a bit about it. Okay, talk quite a bit about it. Talk a bit about it. Yeah, so yeah, the well, this is what actually what happened is like as we said, it's like after we finished the Battles of Bestiary, and that was going to be it. Uh, all the people I worked with, and luckily I'm working with you know some of the best people in the industry. They're like, okay, now what? And Mark, I'm like, uh, Mark got a dragon book, mm. and then the other two people I was working with, um, Patrick Rennie and Ron Lundine, who run the Adventure Path line for Paizo, were like, well, you know, we're really good at writing adventures, because that's kind of our full-time job. So I was like, oh, I think I'll get you to write an adventure for me, <laughs> and uh, that, might as well. And then I convinced Linda Zayas Palmer to write one as well, so we're doing a three in uh, Pathfinder. The way they do it is there's the Adventure Path system, where they release an adventure every month. And then you put all the books together and make one big adventure. So this is, quote, a three-part adventure, which would be three separate books. But it's going to be released as one book, but it's being written by three different authors. And then it'll go from level one to level ten. And it takes place in a made-up world called mm. Alakar, which is the Battles of Bestiary world. And it, you know, amazingly you know, looks and feels just like Earth. I don't know. Like, you know, they all seem to be like that. I don't know why. But um, this one is the best way to describe it is Guardians of the Galaxy, but with pirates and dragons. Okay. So it, it's going to be a very, very fun adventure. It's um, one of the uh, actual prize winners, which, believe it or not, started out as, I, th I think it was it's copper. copper. And by the way, that yeah, it's Copper. I know and which that's one you're going to say. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> is it the Gamayan? Mm. The Gamayan. It's like the... Oh, little, it was uh, a parrot with a, with a tricorn hat. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's a pirate parrot. Right. And we saw that and went, hey, we can build a whole world around these guys. <laughs> and uh, we did. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, Mark even wrote an ancestry so you can play these guys, too. So not only do they uh, monster, I can't think can why them. anyone would want to play anything but that. Now I've seen that. And it's, and know, it's just from the, the, the only, only choice And now. the idea of a pirate parrot, it seems interesting. But their backstory is, is not even just, like, phoned in, oh, I'm a pirate parrot. It is, like... They yeah. worshipped a goddess of art and beauty, but then, like, demons nearly corrupted them to the point that they became demons almost, but then they were redeemed mm. at the last second. Mm. So now they have, like, chaotic neutral with ties to, like, um, the maelstrom and chaotic neutral stuff. Mm. They've right, got, right. like, this dual pull from the two directions, and it's actually, it was mm. a very interesting ancestry, and I think that people are going to dig being able to roleplay out the tensions that they have as a people just from the fact mm. that that was that was their history right right mm -hmm. so, so yeah so, the, so the uh, adventure is you call it a mega adventure wait is that like first up to how far does that go uh levels mm. one to level 10 level and that's pathfinder is that being converted to 5e too it's going to be Pathfinder and, and 5e. And so we're doing it for both. Right, right. So it's it's written originally for Pathfinder 2nd yeah. because all my authors yeah. are Pathfinder. Sure. And as I said before, Pathfinder is way more crunchy mm. than yes. 5e, so I'm finding it's a lot easier to convert. So yeah. um, all the monsters in the, in the Adventure Path, every single one except for about 20 new ones, are from Battlezoo. Right. So give you an idea of like how you know flexible the monsters are we're finding it pretty easy. I mean, uh, to like fit the monsters into a level one to 10 adventure path. Like I didn't have to jump through a lot of hoops, mm. like to mm. bend over backwards to get these into it. It really worked out quite well. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it, you know, as I said, it goes from uh, level one to level 10. It takes place in a very tropical setting. 
um, figure, you know, kind of like Hawaiian or Polynesian. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, very, um, you know, with Pirates of the Caribbean type setting, mm-hmm. if you think about that movie. Yeah. And you are basically, you know, just sitting by, you know, enjoying your life when you mm-hmm. find out you get half of a treasure map. And you're like, oh, what's what's this half? And then it turns out a whole bunch of people got half of a treasure map. And you get called to in front of the king. And the king's like, all right, we need people to find out, like, what what's going on with this treasure map? And it becomes like a mad, 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 mad world or where you go around, like, trying to find out what the second half of this uh, treasure map is. And it mm. ends up being quite a uh, perilous journey, we'll say. <laughs> it starts <laughs> off with you just like, oh, mm. we're looking for a treasure map. And then you end up finding out about the history of the islands, the history of the monsters, and it goes a lot of crazy places. Right, Probably right. the best way I was thinking is um, The Frighteners is a, one of my favorite movies, oh, yeah, 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 where yeah. it starts off very much uh, like a comedy, mm. and mm. then it becomes serious and becomes a horror movie by the end. Mm. Well, that's kind of how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> it starts off very silly in the beginning, but then it slowly gets a little more serious by the end. <laughs> okay. um, so, so moving on, because we're, we're starting to run out of time now. So okay. we've still got yeah. other things to cover. We've got a uh, monster mage and a vestige hunter to, uh, that's true. to talk about. Um, these are, these are written by you, I believe, Mark. That's is that right. right. So these are archetypes that are in the Battle Zoo Bastiri book. So mm-hmm. the monster mage and the vestige hunter were my takes on some archetypes when Steven asked for archetypes that could sort of fit in the general, like, same milieu of um, the monster part system, but not require using it. And so right. um, what you've got is the monster mage, uh, which are sometimes known as azure mages because of the kind of um, azure color that comes off of some of their tokens that they take. But um, mm. their magic comes from tokens that they gain from creatures. And that means right. they learn their spells from monsters. And okay. um, there certainly is a concept of like a blue mange that a lot of people um, have been looking for for a while, I know, where you kind of make a monster, uh, take monsters and learn their spells. And so they build up just a collection of tokens and can learn magic from all of the different magic traditions. They are not limited like, you know, like a wizard is to arcane magic. It depends on what the monsters had. So, for instance, in Pathfinder, Fae cast from the primal tradition of magic, which is like druids. But a lot of the spells that you might find on a Fae's innate spells are like enchantments or illusions or things that aren't available on the primal list to druids. And as a monster mage, you can absolutely gain a primal version of those spells that other primal casters can't cast. Because just like Fae are cheating primal magic to get those spells, you're cheating it too with your tokens. So you could eventually develop a collection of tokens that had every spell in the game, I guess, as long as monsters had them as their innate spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of what the monster mage is. And there's like a little mini treatise from the iconic monster mage, Zara, who's on the cover of the book, that talks about being a monster mage. Uh, Vestige Hunter is sort of the other side of that. They are um, typically a martial character, but really anybody could take it, who has gained a vestige, which is um, imbued with the power of an echo of a great confrontation. And it might be a confrontation where you killed the monster. Maybe you didn't. These tokens and these vestiges both don't take away from monster parts. If you're using them, it doesn't cost anything. But also, if you're not using them, you can use these archetypes anyway. 
but you can see how they would synergize. Uh, the Vestige Hunter either takes, literally takes a vestige and a piece from the monster and like puts a dragon's head on his shield, like the iconic who's on the cover and that breeds a breath weapon. Or it might be more like Sigurd from the legends when he defeated the dragon Fafnir and was kind of covered in Fafnir's blood and then it just got infused into him. And so you might um, either have your equipment change or you change to use some monster abilities like constrict or breath weapon. Uh, so it's like, does your arm turn into a snake? Does your whip that you're holding turn into a snake? I don't know. You You get to decide what you're doing if you are a vestige hunter. And so, um, yeah, basically that lets you kind of, they each might, if you have a vestige hunter, a monster mage and people using the monster part system, they each might want to look for monsters for different reasons. It gives them interesting mm-hmm. reasons to get excited about a monster. So you, let's yeah. say you're like, oh, there's a red dragon in the area. And so the monster mage is like, well, I've been looking for fireball. I know that they have those. I, I mean, who doesn't want to have fireball? I want fireball. Let's go find the red dragon and the vestige hunter says well i want a breath weapon and obviously they've got a fire breath and the monster parts person is like well you know i wanted to imbue my weapon with fire or maybe make upgrade my slashing or piercing weapon so we've got that with this dragon so that way different people in the group can like be interested in different things about the monster they aren't competing because anybody can still get their token or vestiges from the monster, even if you're using the parts. Right, right. That sounds awesome. I kind of really want to play one of those now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, all in all, so we've got the vestry, the monster part systems in the vestry, is that That's correct? That's right. Yes. Uh, the yep. monster mage and vestige hunter, are they in They the are in the vestry. The yes. They're in the vestry too. The adventure's separate. Probably, and the Dragon Ancestries book is separate as well. That's is that right. Correct? correct. So it's, th- so it's three books. Mm-hmm. Three books. Oh. Yeah. And that's on Kickstarter from August the 1st, which is, what is it now? August, August 31st. Uh, it's, it's August 31st. Oh, so, August, 31st. August 31st, sorry. Uh, okay. Yes. So yeah. October 1st. So the entire month of mm. September, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Got some light that's ahead of you. Yeah, that is, well... And that is all for Pathfinder and for D&D Fifth Edition. So. Yes. So I'm uh, I'm either genius or an idiot, because most people do one book. You certainly <laughs> created a lot of work for yourself. <laughs> yeah, everyone says that, but I don't think it's that bad so far. It really isn't. I don't understand but, how you do that and your day job, Stephen. Yeah. And, um, yeah, either do I, to be honest. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it's it's just a little nuts. It's it was fun though. That's the thing. It's like it's it was so much fun creating the the Battlezoo bestiary. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to stop. Yes. I think that's. <laughs> I think that is kind of one of the things though. When when you're doing game design and stuff like that, at least for me, yeah. I know I'm getting paid for it, but a lot of the time it doesn't feel like work, and you feel really yeah. lucky that you think I get paid to do this, and probably I would do this if I wasn't being paid. I just do it for myself. Yeah. Well, the the other secret is is that I'm working with, you know, like these are some of the best people, mm-hmm. if not the best people in the industry. I mean, they're all professionals. I'm the only one who doesn't come from Paizo. <laughs> in fact, I'm the I'm it. I'm the one man out. But, you know, one nice thing is that I'm letting these professionals live out their fantasies. Like, you know, like Mark, I was thinking of this monster part system for a while. Uh, as well as I. And then, you know, he really wanted to do his dragon book. So mm. I'd be more than happy to take someone with his, you know, pedigree yeah, to say, yeah. I want to do something really cool. 
I'm like, I'll be more than happy to publish sure, that. Yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, I'm doing a service for everyone. Mm. Like Mark gets to get his dragon book out. People get to play it. And everyone you know, wins. We're, yeah, out exactly, with, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to come out with stuff that everyone wins. Mm. The players win. Mm. The developers win. It's fun for everyone. I, I have really felt through the process, like Steven really takes the other creators into account. Like, just like you saw having the names of all the winners on the pages with their monsters. I think that's an excellent little touch. Like, mm, and like yeah. that's very publishing consistent. everyone who made it to the top one-on-one and paying them for the freelance of it. Like a mm-hmm. lot of contests like mm. this, it's just, you know, most of the people get just the exposure for what they did in the contest. Even when, mm-hmm. even the t- yeah. grand prize winner um, at Paizo, they did get to write an adventure, but, and they got paid for that, but not for what they submitted for the contest. But, you know, Steven mm. paid the people who, for their submission to the contest, put it in yeah. Battle Zoo Bestiary. Yeah. So over a hundred people, actually, I guess it's slightly under a hundred people because you were allowed three yes, entrants and some under. people won multiple yeah. times because they were just that good. But almost a hundred <laughs> people now, um, who wanted to get started are published. They're not only in the book, but you can see them right on the page. And mm. so that's something that, that, that I thought was cool. Yeah. yeah well, well, it's actually something that's come up on the podcast a couple of times, which is, um, companies put out these contests and they say, yeah, sure, you can enter the contest and whatever rights you give to us, we will just keep what, whatever you give to us, we'll just keep the rights mm-hmm. on it. You don't own that anymore. So this is like a very different way to do it. Yeah. I mean, Stephen, did you have any advice for companies? Like how, how can they deal more fairly with fans? Well, you do have to get the rights. I mean, that was actually one of the things yeah. that I was very much, you know, I talked about that in the contest is because, mm. you know, there was a very small contingent that was like, well, I don't want to give you the rights. But I'm like, yeah, I totally see that, but I'm paying you. Like, you aren't, I, I'm not giving, you're not giving me the rights and then you win and I just say, congratulations, you win and now I own your monster. Mm. Uh, legally, I have to have the rights so I can, you know, use it and print it and mm-hmm. do things with it. But every single person was paid, mm, every single yes. one. So to be honest, the easiest way to deal with this, if you're doing a contest, is pay your winners mm. <laughs> and pay them a fa- fair rate. Yeah, That's yeah. the other thing. Like, you know, I was paying the same rates that Paizo paid. Yeah. Um, so I was paying the same, you know, base rate. Mm. And then the bigger winners who had to do more work, well, guess what? Mm. They got higher rates mm. and they had higher, they had more compensation. Yeah. So was, it sounds silly, but it's like, wow, what a weird concept. Like, actually pay well, I think, your writers. Yeah, I think you, can just drill, you, you just drill it down to its basics if you use it yeah. and pay for it. Yeah, and it's, another thing uh, Stephen did yeah. that I, I just don't know how he has enough time for it, honestly, but I think that was really great for the winners is he stayed in touch with them. And, like, when art sketches and new pictures came in, oh, it yeah. was their monster. He would just, like, get be like, hey, look, I got this picture of your monster. Want to see what it is yeah. right now? And he like kept them up to date on things for for almost a hundred winners or maybe for some percentage mm. of them I don't know almost all of them. So, that, like, oh, that's great because like I mean as you as you probably know when you start getting art in from from your stuff that is one of the most magical parts of yes. design mm-hmm. when when you start seeing mm. the art and you see okay that's the thing that I wrote and that's now what it looks like that is amazing and it's really good and art I, I love that part yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and in fact, yeah, that's because, um, well, we have a very, very popular Discord, and so all the winners were on the Discord, and I encouraged them. If they asked me questions, I even went through and showed them. The other nice thing is that all the winners, you can see their before and after. The before, mm. like their initial entries are in RPGSuperstar.com, yes. and mm. they're all public. They're free. Mm. You can so just go be able to and see, get them. And they're free. 
Yeah. Ooh. So you'll be able to see, even as an editor, how we changed it. And I'd be yeah. happy to talk to any of them and explain why things were changed and what we did in the editing process so that they can come, come better right. Even if you don't talk to Steven, mm. right, you can look over the 101 of them, look at the before, look at the after, even if you're not one of the winners at all, and mm. kind of mm. get a sense of what changed that can kind of give you tips that you wouldn't ordinarily get just by seeing the final published monster. Yeah, yeah. Sounds yeah. like an incredible professional development experience, mm. really, for anybody opportunity or for... Mm-hmm. And on that excellent note, I think we do have to wind up. And thank you both so much for coming on. I've really, I know, I've really enjoyed yeah. that chat. That's been, that's been yeah, real fun. I got, I gotta say, the thirty first is going to be an expensive day for me. <laughs> what? Like, yeah. uh, uh, well, when your Kickstarter opens, it's like, oh man, because yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm like, so okay. Fine, mm. fine. Take my money. <laughs> as, long as, as long as you save some money for October the fifth. There you go. It's actually oh, yeah. very. Uh, I don't even get into it. the pricing is like reasonable. Like I'm trying to keep pricing way down. Mm-hmm. You know, we have like the only add-ons I have are like, uh, well, I have these cool um, pins. Oh, right, the yeah. pins actually came out amazing. Mm-hmm. That, is this that like is a like fish? a no. It's a it's a, oh, it's it's a, a salt stalker dog. Oh. Thing. it's a salt stalker, yeah. but oh, it's uh, <laughs> they're cartoon versions, and yes. I'm doing I'm doing stickers of them too. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I have so many. I was going to do dice, but everyone's like, how many dice do you have? I'm like, you know what? Screw that. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing more fun things, and then yeah. this this is a uh, scroll case. Yep, uh, scroll yes. case, but it holds nice. it holds dice, but and it holds then you can dice. roll dice on it. Holds it dice. Rolling ah. surface. This is free. Cool. This is the free giveaway. If you, it's like the early bird <laughs> free thing. Again, and I never saw this before, so I'm trying to give out things... That, that is the coolest pencil case I've ever seen. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I've never seen this before. It's, yeah. a, it's real leather. Mm. I'm yeah. like, Jesus, this is free. giving it out free! What? <laughs> yeah, it's free. But it's been okay. a real delight to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Right. Yeah, whenever you guys want. Yeah, yeah just give us a no. shout when, you, when, you, when you're ready to announce yeah. your next one. Awesome. Give us a okay. And uh, Definitely. We'll do this again. Bye-bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. That was a strong hat. It was. Strong it was hat. a very strong yeah. hat. I, I mean, like I say, I know who this is. I haven't really watched the show. Yep. So yeah, that's a that's some good going. I there. kind of feel I need to. Uh, I need to look it up. Now. Yeah. I, need no, to see like, I, I have a coworker who aspires to that Rita Repulsa hat someday. Right. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, I, I mean, you got you got to build up to that though. You probably yeah. start off with something like a beret or something, and then work your way. Yeah, he's got to start off on some smaller hat. <laughs> Yeah, like he, he can't just go, I mean, would your neck muscles take the strain? That's... Mm.